We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Cheers, sons crying after Brazil, buoyed by the return of Neymar, or is it buoyed, brought, down, uh, brought out the party tricks to breeze past South Korea and into the quarterfinals. This is the Arsenal Vision World Cup Daily. And in the World Cup Daily first, there's no Elliot, even though you can still block him at Yankee Gander on Twitter. There's no Paul, there's no Tim, and there's no Clive. Edu's got his barbecue out and he's trusted the youth which is exactly why I'm joined by Lewis Ambrose today. You can find him on Twitter at LG Ambrose. Hello, Lewis. I'm sure the other guys will have something to, back, to say about you referring to us as the youth. Yeah. Hail End Ultras. Hail End Ultras. We've come through the academy. We've done our time in, in the Arsenal Vision uh, stratosphere. And now we're ready to take over. First of all, quick question. Are you team boy or team buoy? Boy, it's, it's obviously boy. That's settled then. Lewis has settled it. Thank you very much, everyone. Um, it was a pleasure. I'm glad we could spark <laughs> this debate. <laughs> and, that, and that's the pod for today. And thank you very much. Tomorrow we have uh, Spain. No, I'm joking. Uh, yeah, the football. The football happened today. Um, some exquisite, some not so exquisite. Um, but we're here to talk about it. And I think, I mean, it's normal. The only place we should be starting is with Brazil. South Korea, and yes, that was comprehensive, uh, I think is the is the flattering word for South Korea. What did you make of it? Uh, yeah, comprehensive is definitely one word for it. I, just Brazil having their own goal of the tournament competition by the feel of things, which is, yeah, it, it was nice to watch Brazil kind of let loose and just feel their, their way through a game. It felt like the first few games were a little bit cagey, even though you've got all this talent on the pitch and obviously Neymar was back today and if nobody will be watching that fancy and coming up against them. I thought they were just great to watch in the first half and I'm not here for any of the the old man yells at cloud nonsense. Like, let them dance. Let them have their fun and dance. How often do you go 3-0 up, 4-0 up so quickly in a World Cup knockout game in your career? Enjoy the hell out of it and and have a party. It was and Maybe it's a bit much when the coach gets involved, but... 
Uh, I think it was, was otherwise. The, the pigeon celebration, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it, for Richarlison? Like, it was even triggering to see that on FIFA, let alone you know doing it in real life. But um, like, I'm, obvi- I'm like, obviously, a lot of people are going to be annoyed at that. Um, and the other thing that I can imagine rubbing people up the wrong way is subbing on your goalkeeper so that all 26 players in the squad get on the pitch. But then I, I think that's quite nice that all 26 players got to play at the World Cup. I don't know where you stand on that. If I thought like, it was nice as well. I thought it was nice. I think if you're, you know, um, claiming that as disrespectful, I think you're just looking for something to be angry about. Um, you know, and, and for me, this game was kind of repayment for having to sit through 120 minutes of the other one. You know, it was so <laughs> nice that this one was essentially over after 10 minutes. So um, I could kind of watch with my dinner and relax instead of having my Google Docs open ready to take some notes down. So um <laughs> So yeah, the goals. Where should we start? First goal didn't take long at all. What did you make of the of the first one? Um, what I made of it, it just looked easy. The finish is great, but I think when Brazil were ahead after after six or seven minutes, then it's it felt like game over very very quickly. We've not had any close. Well, we've had a few close games. We've not had any anywhere where it really looked like there was going to be an upset so far in this round of sixteen, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a shame. And that was the only shame of the first half for me was six minutes in and already that hope of a a close game or an upset felt like it had suffered a massive blow. So, yeah, I I thought Vinicius was quite quiet considering how how good Brazil looked and how often or how much they got forward in that first half. But, uh, yeah, an amazing finish still with with the poised to take his touch and pick his spot when he's got the goalkeeper and about four defenders in front of him he just places it nicely in the corner a reminder as well obviously we're all here as Arsenal fans like there it's a bit frustrating and we'd maybe like to see Gabriel Martinelli play a bit more because we love him but there's a good reason as well like it's he's not not playing because he's being snubbed but they've got one of the best players in the world in his position playing ahead of him you you can't really you know turn your nose up at Vinicius yeah, I mean, like you said, I think the finish was excellent. He kind of felt like the only person in that penalty box, you know, when he controlled it, which I think is mm-hmm. a really underrated quality because it's something we haven't always seen from Vinicius. But I think in the last 12 months, he's kind of hit this incredible streak of goal scoring form and you could see it there. I mean, goalie rushing out, four players to get past, to just curls it right into the corner. I think Rafinha does really well actually in the build up because he has to fight a bit for that ball. Um, and it hasn't been his greatest few games, I don't think. I don't think he's been bad, but I just think he's kind of ghosted through them a bit without too much influence. So I think having that moment will will give him a lot of confidence because... He, yeah, sorry, go on. He looked really frustrated in the second half to me because he hadn't got his goal, kind of. Mm. Like everybody else, all, all the other attacking players had chipped in. And there was one I, excellent save, saw. to be fair. There was like a great save. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you saw at the end of half time when the players walked back out on the pitch, but Neymar walked out on the pitch like with his arm around him and Rafinha looked really upset and Neymar walked all the way over the pitch just talking to him the whole way until Rafinha got over to that right wing. And then it felt to me like there was that first 20 minutes of the second half where Brazil was still bothering a little bit and it looked like they were trying to get him his goal and he was trying to get a goal Neymar put one on a plate for him uh, there was there was another free kick from sort of 25 30 yards out and Neymar let him have it instead of taking it himself I think the you can tell that there's sort of a togetherness with this Brazil team and 
I think Rafinha's maybe feeling it a little bit that everybody else has sort of chipped in with with goals or assists, and he's not quite got going yet. Especially after that opening game uh, against um, against Serbia, he had a couple of really good chances that night as well. It, I don't know. I wonder if that's just weighing him down a little. Yeah, I mean, it's normal, isn't it? When you see everyone else getting in on the act, uh, that's kind of how I felt about Gabriel Jesus a bit in this tournament as well. I think he was trying trying too hard to maybe find that that bit of end product, whether it's an assist or a goal. And it, I think he was forcing his play too much when, you know, the thing that makes Gabriel Jesus so good is his is his natural instincts, you know, that ability to, to improvise and play off the cuff. So I think Rafinha just kind of, needs to stick to that, needs to stick to what he's good at. And, you know, I know Anthony's come in a couple of times, but in terms of Chite's thinking and, and Rafinha's standing within the squad, I don't think Anthony's done enough to um, to displace him as a starting winger. So I just think it was a little bit of frustration today considering the circumstances, but I'm not overly worried. And I, if I was him, I wouldn't be either, you know. Um, second goal... I mean, it's it's just not great from South Korea, <laughs> is it? You know, you can't sleep like that with Richarlison around. He's he's a striker that will love to feed off scraps. He loves those little pieces of contact where he can nick in, and he's just got he's just done the defender there on the blind side, and you know Neymar slotted away <laughs> the penalty. I mean, he could have been on a on a beach chair with with that one. I mean, it was. How often do you see someone sit a goalkeeper down from the penalty <laughs> spot? The, the, the keeper ends up pretty much just sat there because he obviously goes the wrong way and, and he's off balance. But yeah, uh, he took that very, very calmly. It was great. Yeah. And for me, third goal, that's goal of the tournament. I know Richarlison mm-hmm. scored that stunner in the first, but that was this for me was Brazil playing like Brazil. You know, I think it's been a really interesting evolution under Chite because I I think Brazil have been kind of morphed into a very functional strong mm-hmm. team you know defensively they're outstanding in midfield they're strong always with Fred Casemiro Paqueta you know and you know when they need the individual moments when they need a Vinicius or a Neymar or a Rafinha to come up with something special they can do it but I've never seen them play like this you know when it was the party tricks were out after the after 15 minutes you know there was you know head tennis from Richarlison there was Thiago Silva was doing little rainbow flicks over people and it was you know that was party mode and the third goal kind of encapsulated everything you know that was the mood personified in in one piece of play and that that party atmosphere that you're talking about, obviously it came through in all the celebrations as well, but that was without Neymar ever really, really getting into the game. Like obviously he's been injured. I was surprised he played so long tonight. Me but, too. Yeah. You know, I, you're 4-0 up after like half an hour. Get the guy off. Get the guy off and send him home and get him in the bath. Like there is no need for this. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he wants to make sure he's match fit and, and get fit, but you know, they never would have forgave themselves if there was some sort of late challenge or something on him. Uh, but he he had a very quiet, you know, not flashy game by his by his standards as well. So I think, you know, when you're saying that Brazil played a bit more like that, like that sort of mythical Brazil that we all think of tonight, and Neymar wasn't really not not involved, but wasn't the guy lighting up, lighting people up, and and getting you off on the edge of your seat. Then I thought that was a bit mad. Um, yeah, and just talk about the the sort of the team being 
let loose to to play that midfield is just brave i think to play casemiro behind paqueta and neymar mm-hmm. and we're seeing france as well obviously playing with with griezmann as a as a more of a like a number 8 but neymar is not a player you would ever imagine playing a role like that but it's working like in brazil are having a lot of the ball they they just look like they're really really confident and uh, I mean, yeah, like you say, that that second, go- uh, the third goal. Sorry, that's just confidence. It just oozes it. The, I mean, the, the what's Thiago is- Silva? What's Thiago Silva doing there with the assist? And Marquinhos. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just it's like- Marquinhos who lays it into him, and it's all yeah. one touch. It was lovely. It was really, really nice. Yeah, it's and, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just so nice to see that because during the group stages, I, I I'd spoken with Elliot about Brazil looking like they had another gear, you know, and. Tonight they found it, um, and this was, you know, very much to use a, a Wenger phrase or a, Weng, a Wengerism. This was handbrake off, and it's just nice to see teams enjoying their football because I think international can really bring down the tempo and the levels, and and just in general, the game's not as fast paced. But I don't know. You could see the confidence. Everyone was was enjoying themselves, and when they're in that mood, I mean, obviously they're not going to play like that in you know in a semi-final or a final but it was just lovely to see against look they were inferior opposition and I think they earned the right to play like that having gone into such an early lead and and I enjoyed it I really enjoyed it because I haven't seen it too much you know under, under this manager I think the fact it was an early lead as well when you when you set out a midfield that's so attacking you've got all these incredible 1v1 players Neymar, Paqueta, Vinicius um, and, and Rafinha and then you've got a striker who just works as hard as Richarlison does as well in front of all of them and then we've just not seen Brazil score early and this is something they're just capable of as soon as space is open or opposition heads drop they could just rip teams apart you know it could have happened against Serbia after they scored they finally got the opener against Serbia and then it looked like they could have had a couple more that night uh, Switzerland the goal came late and Switzerland are a good organized sort of defensive mm-hmm. team as well when they're when they're the underdog anyway Cameroon we just had an entirely different 11 and yeah tonight you anyone who gets Brazil uh, along the way now obviously Croatia next maybe Argentina or, or the Netherlands it will be in the in the semi-final if Brazil get past Croatia first you've you've got to watch this and think like you've just got to keep tight and not let yourself get behind because as soon as you're behind and you have to leave spaces to go and open the game up, they're just going to rip you apart. Well, exactly. You know, Lucas Paquetar tucks away the fourth and you spoke about teams maybe keeping it tight or not keeping it tight. What did you make of, of South Korea tonight? I thought they were quite muddled. I, I feel like their game plan was kind of ripped to shreds after 10 minutes and then they didn't mm-hmm. know whether to to stick or to twist, which just gave Brazil, you know, acres of space in midfield, which is exactly what you don't want when you're playing a high line. And it was literally them on the halfway line, Vinicius on the left, Richarlison going through the middle, Neymar with the freedom of the pitch to do whatever he wanted. And I just don't think they had any answer to what was happening. You know, you can only manage the game so much when you're already 2-0 down after 11 minutes in a, in a, in a World Cup knockout round. And, I think the quality was was just you know there for all to see and 
And ultimately, they did amazingly well to get out of the group stage in, in dramatic fashion. I've really liked them at times. There's been a couple of players that have really impressed me. Uh, I think Kim Min-jae throughout the group stages was really impressive. You know, Huang with a iconic moment for the country, but this was just one step too far, I think. Yeah, they got pulled apart. Like you say, the game plan was just gone. It dissolved. There was a little bit, there was an element for me in that first half of, remember when Alexis Sanchez just used to go and press on his own? Like it it wasn't that like individual, but the team just wasn't in sync with each other. And I think, like you say, you're you're one nil down, you're two nil down so quickly. And there's an element of having to get back into the game. And then the spaces were just everywhere. There was space everywhere. They got pulled apart and, yeah, they were they were really poor. It, it actually made me think it would have been really interesting. We all found it really funny, obviously, with with Luis Suarez on the bench, that late South Korea goal against Portugal that put them through. This would have been really interesting against Uruguay, and that mm. would have been, I think, a, I was a nice that. test mm-hmm. for Brazil. That horrible defensive Uruguayan side who just try and kill games and make them boring and violent and all about challenging and contests. That would have been a challenge that this Brazil team, we would have learned something about them. I think, um, you know, what we learned tonight is that Brazil have really good players and they can rip you apart. That Uruguay game would have maybe given us a bit more of an insight into how versatile they are and how they're going to do, you know, like I say, if they get past Croatia in their semi-final. Because Argentina, I think when they're the underdog, they'll try and be compact and, and mm-hmm. force you to break them down and they'll get aggressive in midfield and, and the back four are, are all aggressive sort of players anyway, front foot defenders. And the, the Dutch as well have, have been a, a really defensive counter-attack based sort of team. They might have a bit more possession, but you know, it'll be a lot of passes at the back and, and very slow build-up play. And they'll be quite happy to sit there in their back five and, and force you to break them down. So one way or another, if Brazil are going to get to the final, we're going to see them face a very different test at some point along the way. And I can't wait for that either because you know, I think that's always nice when you see good football teams, but they have to figure out different ways to play. Picking the lock. Um, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think that it's a really interesting you know, side of the, of the tournament tree for them. Look, South Korea... Did, did get a goal. It was a lovely strike, although it did take a little bit of a nick, which um, took some points off for me. But I thought the technique to to keep it kind of down was excellent. Just a quick word about Martinelli. He's come on again, and it looks like he's kind of forced himself into the position of attacking substitute number one. Yeah, uh, was he, in, the th- he was the third, I think, in the first game, right? Jesus and, and yes. Anthony were on first. Mm-hmm. And well, well, well. when you consider he wasn't even favorite to be in the squad at all, you know, it was a, it was a big shock in Brazil that he managed to make the final squad and to be in this position now, you know, he was clearly man of the match against Cameroon, but I think it's just an incredible achievement for him. And hopefully there's an opportunity for him to make a real telling contribution because again, today I didn't feel like he came on for a fully firing Brazil. This was very much Brazil who had dropped a couple of levels and and you would. But I think we're seeing, you know, his estimation rising with each with each passing game under Cheetah and the coaching stuff. So I think we're get, uh, we should be expecting to see more Gabby in in this tournament. I hope so. I think we said it on the preview for the whole tournament as well, when he'd been called up, that he's just that sort of infectious character when you watch him on the pitch that 
Chiche was going to struggle to leave him out completely once he'd seen him in training up close every day. And yeah, I mean, I, I think you saw immediately when he came on in the first game that players, these play, players like Neymar, these the biggest names in the world, some of them, well, him especially, but they're not afraid of giving him the ball. They trust him with the ball. They trust him in possession. They they want him to get the ball and, and take his man on and look for the pass, create something. And he was very quiet, like you say, today. The game was sort of, was well, it was dead and buried by the time he came on. The players were in walking mode more or less but he still nearly got an assist for Danny Alves who had a had a volley blocked at the back post get the so, deep heat for him quick oh, <laughs> it was too acrobatic they, for a 39 year old man honestly how <laughs> to bring on a 39 year old and a goalkeeper in a world cup knockout game that's like that tells you everything about how comfortable Brazil were yeah. um but yeah I, I think you're right it looks like he's sort of the first the go-to sub and if someone's not available and not just not just Jesus and Anthony, but uh, Rodrigo came on uh, before mm-hmm. him in the in that opening game as well when Neymar got injured. Yeah, he's he's elevated himself to that position. He's obviously got the trust of his teammates and of the coach. And yeah, I hope, I think when games are a bit closer, especially we might see more of him. Well, we were hoping for, for three Gabbies to cheer. We had two and now we're left with one, but we'll be cheering him on the way. So uh, good luck to Gabby and Brazil in the next round. Speaking of the next round, Japan, Croatia. Um, what did you make of it? What did you make of it? This was, you know, I mean, it's, it's difficult. (laughs) Uh, It's difficult to assess this without feeling a bit. Um, I feel quite sad for Japan. I feel quite sad for Japan. You know, I, they won some hearts along the way. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I, I found them a really intriguing team, not only in terms of their, talent and their profiles but also how they were managed um you know very much second half fc which i thought was really unique and the way they got here was was just brilliant as well so look unfortunately they're they're heading home croatia heading through what did you make of the game i thought japan were excellent in the first half in the first half they were the second half was the problem or not not so much a a problem but the you know, the foot came off the gas a little bit. The opposite of what you just said, they've been the the team that were resurgent all through the tournament. Uh, it's obviously just a different thing mentally, physically, to come from behind compared to leading. And I think it really suited them to be the underdog against all odds, you know, against Japan, uh, against Germany and against Spain. A goal down at halftime in both of those games. And the shoe was on the other foot today. And I don't think... Croatia just scored so quickly after half time that I don't think Japan ever really got going after that. It was it was a little bit not knowing whether or not they should push for another goal, if they should keep it tight, which is what they've been good at in this whole tournament is is keeping it tight and even if the other team has the ball, not really allowing them to create many chances. So yeah, it was a it was a shame, and I thought they were sort of caught between a rock and a hard place do you go for it and get knocked out on the break which I think is the way that everybody would most regret getting knocked out of a, of a tournament like this or do you maybe the handbrake goes on and then you regret not going for it enough obviously that was what happened for them in the end it, it was a shame I thought the the subs again just not being in the lead I thought the subs just didn't have the impact that they had in the in the previous games Minamino um, and uh, Asano uh, Mitoma as well like it's a shame Croatia 
I don't really rate Croatia that highly. Uh, I think they'll have a really rough time of it against Brazil. They, you know, their strength in that midfield is to have the ball, and I'm not sure they'll see that much of it against Brazil. They've not really got the forwards to play on the break and and really threaten you that much. So yeah, I I don't think Croatia, yeah, who to be honest got lucky against Belgium as well. I don't think they've got that much to offer. And I think Japan, you know, just going forward into the, to the quarterfinals, Japan have more to offer. They, they have a more interesting game about them. And yeah, it's a, it's a shame they went home. Although they went home after some of the most feeble penalties I've ever seen. Yeah, not great, were they? I mean, I, it felt like their legs, legs had gone by that stage. Like you said, I mean, to be honest, I thought in the first half, you know, I was really surprised because my issue with Japan has been the difference between first half Japan and second half Japan. I, I would have just loved, you know, a bit more consistency for, from them in the group stage. And today I thought, again, he's left some of the big hitters on the bench, Asano, Mitoma, Minamino. But I thought the first half, they were excellent. I mean, I, I really enjoyed Tomiyasu and Yoshida, you know, fizzing passes into the midfield. I thought the wing backs were were getting up well. I thought particularly the right side, Junior Ito and Ritsu Doan were really dangerous down the right, in and around the box. You know, their patience and incision really impressed me in those tight spaces. But like you said, I just think Croatia's early goal in the second half really put them in a spot of bother because they lost their br- their blueprint, you know, and, and some header it was, by the way, from Perisic. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen some excellent ones this tournament already. I'm thinking Mitchell Duke for Australia, I think the Mitrovic's one the other day for for Serbia was excellent. I mean, that was the definition of a bullet header. I nah, mean, the most, met, I was going to say like the Mitchell Duke one was finessed. This was just yeah, yeah, pure yeah. Power. He's hit it. He what he's hit. He's met it. Shall I say so so well? You know the timing of that, and it's just oh, the way it just fizzed into the corner. I was like Jesus Christ. I was like I looked up for one second, and the and the commentator was like Perisic. I was like. What happened there? Uh, it just looked like an aimless cross into the box, but he's done brilliantly to make something out of it. And Perisic always seems to turn up in these tournaments. I don't know what he's, he's just in ten, like, that, that, That's 10 goals for Croatia. The first player to ever score 10 goals for yeah, Croatia yeah, yeah. in tournaments. He's like the Edvo, Eduardo Vargas of Croatia. Um, <laughs> just incredible for your country. I mean, to be fair, he's, Perisic has been good at club level as well, but... I don't know. When I see him for Croatia, I just think he, he turns it on. Um, he's he's, been, he's had a strange career as well, where like he's mostly been a wing back for uh, or at club level. Um, yeah, especially as he's sort of gone up and moved on from the likes of Wolfsburg, where he was more, more of a winger. Croatia have always used him as that sort of out and out winger, and I mm-hmm. think you know he's he's obviously a lot older now, but he's got that sort of he's got or had an explosive turn of pace. He's very both footed. It's he's big and strong really, as well. Really well. Yeah, he's a like big guy, yeah. Yeah, tall for, for a player who plays out wide. So yeah, they're sort of, you know, he's sort of got a bit of everything. And to to play him on the wing, I think we've not actually, sort of the last five or six years of his career, we've probably not seen enough of that at club level because I think he's a really, really good player when he gets further forward. Yeah, I mean, the difference between you know uh, second half Croatia and first half Croatia was was stark I mean Modric, Kovacic you know Brozovic you'd expect that midfield to be really nice and tidy in the middle but I thought they were giving the ball away a lot they couldn't really sustain any kind of pressure but in the second half they were just moving it so much quicker and I think 
they were they didn't give Japan the chance to settle, which they were Japan were too comfortable in the first half. But as soon as they got the ball in the, in the second half, it was being quickly moved out wide, being quickly moved through the thirds, you know, um, and that that's what really changed the game for me. Also, <laughs> Yoshiko Gvardio has been a bit of a revelation in this tournament. I mean, I know he was playing against Daisen Maeda and Takuma Sano, who maybe reach his waist <laughs> at the best of days, but he is really, really imperious. And I don't see him staying at RB Leipzig for much longer because, you know, already you can, you can smell the interest. Um, you know, even Chelsea were close last summer to bringing him in. And I thought today he was excellent again. No, nothing got past it really in the air. He's quick in the channel. He's strong. Really, I think he's going to be a really, really strong defender. And he was excellent in the group stages and then excellent again today. And good enough on the ball at club level and at the Euros last summer to be playing left back as well. Not mm-hmm. as, as a bit of a marauding left back, this burly figure getting up and down the touchline. Um, so he, he's not, you know, you talk about the modern centre back and, and looking for those features, that ability to carry the ball and, and pick a pass through the lines. He's got all of that nailed, you know, all of the technique as well as being this massive centre half who can, you know, knock centre forwards around and, and head everything away and win physical battles. Yeah, I imagine we will, as you say, Chelsea were close last summer. I imagine we'll see him in the Premier League before before very long at all. Yeah, I mean, the talk's been about Belgium being at the end of their golden generation, but there was an interesting stat today that I found. You know, it was the Croatia fielded the oldest starting eleven in a World Cup knockout stage since France's eleven in the two thousand and six final against Italy. So that that for me says a lot. That's it. A, doesn't that's surprise a, me. It doesn't yeah. surprise me. And that's like with you know Rakitic is retired, obviously as yeah. well. Uh, Guardiol is is twenty years old. But you look at the midfield. The midfield is you know Rakitic aside it's the same midfield it's been Dejan Lovren's still at centre back uh Kramaric is in his 30s now as well it, yeah as you say we talk about Belgium and a decline uh, once Modric is gone once Lovren is gone at centre half I mean maybe there's maybe there are there are players coming through who can replace them at some point as well Perisic Modric have been mainstays of this Croatia team for such a long time that's a whole spine of the team there you could see a real drop-off in Croatian football over the next few tournaments, definitely. Yeah, and for me, the second half, you know, towards the end, especially and throughout extra time, I didn't see much being created by either side. I thought most chances were kind of half chances, maybe from set pieces or or long-range shots. And it felt like to me that they were both kind of gassed. I mean, I'm amazed that Tomiyasu managed to last 120 minutes. I mean, his... (laughs) his hamstring is going to be uh, fork tender falling off the bone tomorrow. So like he's just been barbecued for 16 hours in, in he's, Texas somewhere. He has three um, weeks to just rest up. <laughs> keep him in like a cryotherapy chamber yeah. and don't bring him out until the 25th. Take him um, like take him to Dubai with everybody else if they have to. But when everyone else is in the ice bath at the end of training, just keep him in the ice bath. During yeah. training, yeah, in the ice bath. Everyone else can join him afterwards. There You're is right no there, Tommy. need for him. We'll just keep him in the corner. Honestly, yeah. there's no need after all of this, these injuries to get any more minutes in his legs. It's not just 120 minutes. It was the first time he started at the tournament as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought promisingly he looked pretty good too. He did. Um, he did. But but obviously, 
from our point of view, we're just looking at it thinking, please, please don't get injured again. Yeah, and just to quickly touch on those penalties, I mean, it was either a case of nerves or their legs being completely gone, but they were so bad. I mean, <laughs> no conviction in any of them. Even the one that Asano scored was was placed awfully. If the laces, goalkeeper gets his right, he saves it. Laces. Um, you know, laces, but, but also just into the corners. Like the yeah. goalie, you know, obviously the goalie has to guess right and fair play to him and he's done an amazing job. He'll be the hero, right, in, in Croatia. Yeah, but I was going to say that. Will a keeper ever have an easier... Will, will a keeper ever have three easier penalty saves in a yeah. shootout? No they, were they were tame. They were tame. And I just think Croatia in that moment were able to keep their cool and, you know, like we said, shame for Japan, but I think they've they've won a lot of hearts and, and look, Croatia are probably thinking now we've, we've just played 120 minutes and now we're going to have to chase around these you know, these young, skillful guys in, in yellow. So, look, that's what happened today. Uh, Brazil through, Croatia through. They face each other in the next round. What, what do we think? What's going to happen there? Do we see any interesting tactical changes or do we think Brazil are going to be pretty much as is, Croatia pretty much as is? How do you see it going? I mean, Croatia, with that midfield especially, they're a team that wants the ball all the time and I just don't see them having that much of it. Or I see them having it in areas that Brazil are happy for them to have it. I don't see them having it and, and being able to do much harm. I don't see Croatia as a team with the forwards to, as I said, really attack into space. So I I would worry for them personally. I think, you know, the, we've just talked about the age of the team and then you look at the legs that Brazil have. I think you know it always depends how early the goals come in these games because the longer they go on the, the cagey they are but I don't see much of a hope for for Croatia I don't know about you if you see something differently that you think that they might be able to to spring a surprise but I just can't see it I thought the the one game so far where they didn't you know, dominate the ball even though when they've dominated the ball it's all been quite boring so far in their games. The one game where they didn't was against Belgium and Belgium created three or four massive chances and, and somehow didn't score. I imagine we'll see you know, the same sort of thing, but Brazil taking the chances instead. Yeah, I mean, I don't give them too much hope. I haven't been too impressed with them in general during this during this tournament. I think they play really slowly. Like you said, they haven't really got any explosion um, to play on the break. Maybe... It's a game for Mislav Orsic. I'm not sure, but even he's not like he's not a flyer. He's quick, but he's not a flyer. And I think that would be a really strong way in for Croatia. But I just don't think they have the options. I mean, defensively, they've been okay. I think you know, obviously, Guardiola has made a massive difference. I thought Lovren was fine today. Juranovic, uh, good player. Barisic, fine. You know, and the midfield is obviously strong. But like you said, their strengths lie in possession. Um, particularly Brozovic and Modric. Maybe they might need Kovacic to work a bit of magic and and carry the ball through through Brazil's midfield. But I just think they're so strong in those central areas. You know, even if you get past Casemiro, you have to see Marquinhos and Thiago Silva. I mean, <laughs> Thiago Silva was incredible today. He's, he's oh, and, 38 years old. Like an Edir Mil Militao tucking in from right back as well. You know, yeah. with, the, with the injuries, Brazil have ended up with a, a third right back, a third centre-back playing as a right back. So you, you, there's another man mountain who's going to crunch into tackles and and, and can cover speed uh, space with speed. I just, yeah, like you say, the, the, those, those at the back, Casemiro in front of them, 
it's so solid that you watch them play with Neymar and Paqueta as the, the two central midfielders and you don't even <laughs> notice that you've but you've got two incredibly creative, attack-minded players playing alongside or ahead of Casemiro because it just doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't look good for Croatia. But look, we've, we've seen stranger things happen in this tournament, so it would be silly to write them off completely. But I think you know the, the unanimous... Uh, opinion here is that Brazil go in as favourites and are probably likely to progress. Just touching quickly on tomorrow, we've got Morocco against Spain, Portugal and Switzerland. First of all, Morocco against Spain. What have you made of of Morocco and and do they stand a chance? Yeah, why not? I I think Morocco have been really, really good. I think think so as well. I think they've been a really underrated team. Um, the yeah the opening game against Croatia was I think that kind of summed them up a little bit. The I mean the the game against Belgium as well. They they're not gonna you know suffer fools. They're really really organised. They're quite physical, and you're gonna have to I think you're gonna have to match their intensity before you can beat them football wise. And and even that's not easy. I think Amrabat in midfield has been excellent so far. Um, you know, and then you've got that right hand side of Hakimi and Ziyech who can do damage to you know, pretty much any team on, on the planet. So I think Spain are going to have a rough game, especially if Jordi Alba plays at left back. You've got Ziyech coming inside on mm. that one right hand side. You've got Hakimi flying down the wing. I think Morocco, we've not seen an upset yet in this round. I think Morocco should fancy their chances of staying tight, frustrating Spain and hitting them on the break, just like they did to Belgium. Um, obviously, they've got to do it against a much better side this time around. But I see no reason that they shouldn't be able to. That game against Belgium, especially as well, they were so dangerous from set pieces. And you know, Spain, it's not quite the way it used to be with the, you know, the, the engineered in laboratories in Barcelona, tiny, <laughs> tiny footballers. But there's still the Spain are never going to have this dominating physical side set pieces. You've got the couple of centre backs and you've got Busquets. Morocco are going to fancy their chances, I think, of at least getting Spain up against the ropes now and then. I think it'll be an even game for sure. I think Morocco kind of got through the group stage without making too much noise, and I think they will be liking that because. People are just looking at the fixture and saying, oh, Spain, you know, a small blip against Japan, they'll be back. But, you know, they're really not to be underestimated. I think there's a lot of quality in that team. Masrawi, Hakimi, Ziyech, like you said, and Nasiri up front. You know, even Sofian Bufala in the wing, I think, like you, I've, I've been really impressed with Amrabat. So look, they'll they'll go into this game with nothing to lose, which I think is, again, another good thing for them. And look, in my eyes, Spain is still the favourites. I think they have quality in, in almost every position and I think they'll be going out with a point to prove after losing against Japan. But it's going to be no no easy walk in the park, that's for sure. Um, and then Portugal-Switzerland, which again, seems pretty even to me on paper. Yeah, I think this is a great game on paper. I think Portugal, I'm always suspicious of Portugal. I never, I'm never quite convinced that they're a good team. Uh, I especially we've talked before about Fernando Santos and his inclination to you know, kill football, but <laughs> there are still just so many sufferable. Yeah. It is it's it's absolute sufferable, but there are so many talented players that it doesn't really matter most of the time. 
Uh, Bruno Fernandes seems to be in a really good run of form at this tournament as well at the moment. I think they've managed to get him playing well when Ronaldo's on the pitch at the same time, which is huge because it's something Man United could never do. So, you know, they've given him the keys to the team. I just don't think you can... I don't. Th- I wouldn't fancy, or I would, sorry, fancy Switzerland to upset pretty much anybody. And we've seen it in previous tournaments. They're really, really good when they get to tournaments. I think you look across the pitch and there's no obvious standout world-class player. But the way you mentioned Perisic earlier, there are a few players there who just seem to turn it on for the national team. And when they get to the tournaments, Shakiri and Mbolo look like they're made or they're just in hibernation for two years waiting for these moments to come around. And then they come Jan to life. Sommer. <laughs> Jan, Jan Sommer. Sommer is, is the goalkeeper of the tournament at every tournament he plays at. You know, it's it, it's great. And you know, obviously we've not even mentioned Granit Xhaka. So I, I think that Switzerland have... I don't think they've been as impressive for me this tournament as they were in previous tournaments, but I'd still look at that team and I see a really good side that could trouble anybody. I think it would be a really, really close game. I don't know. What way would you go? I think it's a really a really good one on paper. I mean, like you said, I've, I kind of fancied Brazil, um, Portugal sorry, to, to crash and burn a bit before this tournament. I thought the whole Ronaldo situation is is just not a healthy one for any dressing room and and there were even reports coming out today that Fernando Santos wasn't impressed with him you know after his reaction having been taken off in the last game so look I, Portugal for me have an abundance of talent but I never feel like it's being maximized and I know he won the Euros in 2016 and and and, and everything but I just feel like I, I want someone to really let loose with this group. I don't know. I feel like there's so much more to be given, but ultimately it is tournament football. One wrong move and you're out. So I I do understand a little bit of conservatism, but I think Switzerland are kind of made for these games. They're very professional, very experienced, strong, you know, with like, as you said, with a little bit of quality sprinkled in. So for me, it's a really, a really even one to call. Um, but I'm gonna. I might go against the grain here and go for Switzerland. I don't know. I've got a feeling about them. I, I can just see Granit Xhaka squaring up to, to William Carvalho <laughs> at the end, <laughs> or Pepe with his mad eyes and just with the um, walking away with a big smile on his face. Yes, having, uh, I don't know. I just I haven't fancied tournament from the, uh, Portugal from the first minute in this tournament, and I'm not going to change. I'm not going. I'm going to stick to my guns. All right, it's um, settled then. Morocco, Switzerland in the in the perfect. <laughs> <laughs> look we give you that we give you the rounded views guys that's what we do here um and that's that 40 what is that 41 minutes have passed we've covered everything who needs elliot who we've needs, covered who everything needs... and we've we've escaped today without an arsenal injury so there we go positives all around so that's that world cup daily another one done and first of all my my thanks to lewis ambrose thank you for joining me here tonight thanks phil until tomorrow yes till tomorrow and you can find lewis at lg ambrose and i'm phil costa you can find me at underscore phil costa on twitter and there's only one thing to finish off with (laughs) (laughs) we'll see you tomorrow after your country nil another country zero joke it's 10 nil (laughs) i've switched it up no no i've lost that up to be honest we'll see you tomorrow after your country 10 other country nil 